Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Rabbi. How are you doing? Good. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Okay, so um, we're here today. I sent it out, by the way. Okay, thank you, Stanley. We're here today to learn a Viter, to learn a little bit further in Parshas Nayach. And um, where are we up to? So, last week we started working on the Pasuk that says, Mikol Achai, Mikol Basar, from all living things, from all flesh, two of each, you should bring to the Teva to give life together with you, male and female they shall be. So we last week we spent our time talking about the first phrase, from all living things, uh, given that it's, it, it, that expression is not going to be repeated. We speak about Oif and Behema and Remes, Right, when, when, you know, which which are there ultimately, but as we discussed early, like where does that where does that fit? And we learned what Chazal say that it refers to the shadim, the spirits, and we spent time talking about the spirits and their role in creation and their and the, and their creation itself. Now we're going on in the pasuk. Noach is instructed to bring to the teva two of each zachor in a keva you male and female they shall be. From the birds according to its kind, from the animals according to its kind, from all the creepers, two of each should come to you to be given life. And on top of that, take every kind of food, and gather it to you. Should be for you and for them to eat. So Nach is instructed to bring to the Teva two of each animals and um, and uh, and food for them. Now there are a number of things we're gonna we're going to just try to address here in these psukim. Uh, the first, of course, is and we alluded to this last week, is as we know that later there's going to be a distinction between tahora and einena tahora, between those which are pure and those which are impure. The pure ones were told shiva shiva ishvi ishtoi seven seven a man and his wife. And here we say, bring two. So there are two ways which are which we're going to see in the Rishonim as to how this discrepancy is deal, dealt with. One of them is found right there in the first note in Rashi. From the least of them, there weren't less than two. One male and one female. In other words, when the Pasuk over here says, bring two, it's saying, literally, bring two, but two as a minimum. Two is a minimum, two is not a maximum. And there was always a minimum of two. There was a minimum of two. Of the non-kosher varieties, there were two. Of the kosher varieties, there were seven pairs. But there was a minimum of two, and that's what the Pusik is referring to, and that's the way Rashi learns it. There's an alternative, which we will see as we read through other Rishonim, as to how to interpret this, which means, Shnayim Mikael means that it's not an instruction of how many you have to bring, even though it says two of each. What it means is, you have to bring pairs of each, and those pairs are male and female. So, sometimes you were instructed to bring one pair, 
sometimes you are you're instructed to bring seven pairs. Shiva, Shiva, Zohar, and Akeva, male and female. But the Shnayim is not a description of the total number, it's a description of the pairing. That's one way, that's another way to read the Pasuk. As far as I know, those are the two ways that this is dealt with. And again, we'll see it reflected in the Rishonim. Nothing dramatic here that we're going to be talking about. Next. You'll bring to the Teva to give life to you, male and female they shall bring. You shall bring them to the Teva. And then it says, From the bird according to its kind, from the animal according to its kind. I know, what does that mean? Of course, the simple meaning of it is, that just like when Hashem created, He created all the different species, and it kept saying, etc. And by plants as well, it says, There are different species. The task of Noyach was to be able to salvage a capsule of the world that would be able to then regenerate the world in its totality, in all of its full-flavored variety. So therefore it says here, each one according to its kind, each species has to be covered. However, Rashi adds a dimension. Says Rashi, Those that stuck to their species. Lemineu isn't a description just of what Noah would salvage this species and that species. But they had to be Lemineu. They had to remain with their species. The birds that were dedicated to their species, the animals that were dedicated to their species. If you remember before, earlier in the in Parshas Nayach, it said, Kihishchis kol basar es darka el All flesh had corrupted their ways upon the earth. What did Rashi say there? Afilu Even the animals and the birds, they involved themselves with those who weren't their species. That was their immorality. There was no marriage, really, even though we're, later we're going to have the term ishvi ishto, but we'll talk about that. There was no marriage between animals. There's no issue of fidelity. But the way there was a possibility of corruption was when they went off to do and to concern themselves, to involve themselves with a different species. And then that's mixed breeding, which is a form of immorality for the animals. Now, when Noah was instructed to salvage, just like he was to be saved because he was a tzaddik tom and because he was righteous, the animals that also represented some remnant of the original purity of the world also were the ones to be salvaged. Lemineu, the ones that had stuck faithfully to their own species and hadn't wandered off to involve themselves with others. Those were the ones that Noach would save. Which brings Rashi to a question, an obvious question. And how, what's the question? How on earth are you supposed to be able to tell? How, you, how do you tell? How do you tell which animals which were, were faithful, which animals weren't? Says Rashi, They came on their own. 
they came on their own, and whichever the teva accepted, that was the one that he brought in. Okay, now really, what we should do here is, we should look briefly at a Gemara in Sanhedrin that should have been included here on the sheet. I apologize that it isn't. Excuse me one second, and I will try to... I will try to to bring it up so that I can read it to you. I won't be able to to um, get it on your sheet right now, but here we go. So the the expression here is hold on one second please. Let me let me just find you the Gemara and we'll we'll get that. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm just looking for the source where I thought it was, but it may not be there. Let me just uh, let me just clarify. Please forgive me. I was right in terms of the clothes, but one second. Yeah. Okay. Menoyada. The Gemara says, "How did you know the ones that he would that he brought to the table were Oson Shalonevda Bem Avera, those that an Avera was not performed with?" Says the Gemara. Menoyada. How did he know? Sanhedrin Kofches Amid Beis. Amar Avchizda Shavir and Lifnei Ateva. He had them passed before the Teva. Kol Shateva Kol Tosa Biyadua Shalonevda Bem Avera. If the Teva accepted them, if they were able to come in, then he knew that they were free of Avera. Otherwise, he did not do it. Rabbi Avo, Amar Rabbi Avo said, It was from those that came on their own. Meaning that Noach didn't have to choose. The right ones came. Noach didn't have to gather them. 
the right ones came. Those that came by themselves. Now, what this Gemara is doing with these two versions, which we have here uh, in, in the Gemara, these two versions that we have here in the Gemara, uh, really are hitting on an issue that we're going to talk about a little bit more. Um, as we're going to as we're going to see, which is, did Noach go and collect the animals to bring them to the teva, or did the animals simply come to the teva? Which one was it? Did Noach collect the animals, or did the animals simply come to the teva? And the Gemara here is giving sort of like two versions. Noach might have collected all the animals in the world, however when it came to them coming into the Teva, there was a test. And the test, somehow or another, did the Teva repel them, or did the Teva embrace them? Did the Teva accept them? And those that the Teva accepted, Noach knew, were virtuous, and therefore had a right to be there. And those that the Teva rejected, so that spoke for itself. That's the way... That's the way we have it in, in, in one shot in the Gemara. The second shot of the Gemara, Bavo, is that he didn't have to test. Noach didn't collect the animals. There were animals that just came to the Teva. And those that just came by themselves to the Teva, Noach was able to tell and to know this one, if it came, it must be a virtuous one. It must be the right one. That's the one that's supposed to survive. That's the one that's pure and virtuous and supposed to survive. The Torah tells us that they were the virtuous ones. Those were the ones that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure to be included in the survival, in the continuation of the world. So those are two pshat in which we have in the Gemara. And now let me take you to, the, to, 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 uh, to look a little bit more closely at the Pasuk to note something we underlined in the Tupsukim, an important difference. And that is... In the first Pasuk it says, from all living things, tavi el ha-teva, you should bring them to the Teva to give life together with you. You should bring them to the Teva. In the next Pasuk it says, from the birds according to its kinds, etc., yavayu they will come to you. So are you bringing them or are they coming? Which one is it? There's something of a contradiction between those two. Are you bringing them? Or are they coming? So, one might say that the first pshat in the Gemara is going with the version that you're bringing them. So if you're bringing them, how do you know to choose the right ones? So at the Teva, there was a test that was able to be told, but he brought them, and then the Teva told them whether it would accept it or not. The second version, Rabbi Avo says, they came on their own, emphasizing the second Pasuk. That's great. So each one has a source in the Pasuk. Note that when you look at Rashi, Rashi says, bo, they came on their own. And whatever the Teva accepted, they included when he brought in. Rashi includes both Pshatim. They came by themselves, and if the Teva included them, so that means even maybe non virtuous ones came by themselves. That's a very interesting difference when Rashi rolls together the two answers that are found in the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to pause our thoughts on that right now for a, couple, for, for a few minutes. 
But that's an important issue and an important distinction which we're going to come back to a little bit more as we proceed. Let's spend a little more time here, as we usually do, digesting directly the words of the Rishonim, and uh, which will deal with some of the things we've talked about and some of the things which we have not yet talked about. And then we're going to come back to focus more on this issue of the, did they get brought or did they come themselves. Some of it's going to emerge in the Rishonim and we'll, we'll then expand a little bit more. That's going to be... So we, we're going to have, as usual, again, two stages. One of the thorough, trying to look thoroughly at the Rishonim, and then the second stage where we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into part of it. The Ibn Ezra writes as follows. Umilas tovi elateva mitzvah noyach shaloya azvem rakivim imo elachye zera kolmin. The mitzvah of tovi elateva is a mandate to noyach. It's not a narrative, they will come. It's you must bring them. Noyach may not abandon them. He has to bring them with him in order to make sure that there's going to be something left of every species. Ah, then continues the Ibn Ezra, Umilas Yavayu Eilecha, but then in the next passage it says, they will come to you. Shem Yavayu Me'atzmam, they will come on their own. V'loy Yiga Levake Shaysam Bi'im. He will not have to toil to go and hunt them down on the isles. V'lotzud Kolmine Oifen, to trap every kind of bird. Okay, so the Ibn Ezra is saying, Nayach had a mandate to take care of these animals. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling him, but no, don't worry. One part of this I'm going to make easy for you. And that is, you don't have to get them. I'll bring them to you. You'll have to bring them into the Teva. You'll have to be Mechaya them. You have to make sure that they survive. But in terms of the collection process, that you don't have to worry about. That I will let them come on their own. That's the, that's the, the, um, that's the story, the way, the way the, uh, the Ibn Ezra says it. So he instructed as well that he should prepare food for everything. Okay, so now, so we got, you got what the Ibn Ezra says over here? The way he responds to the contradiction of bring them, or they will come, is that Noah had an obligation to bring them. And in a certain sense, he fulfilled the obligation because he brought them into the Teva. He took care of them, he took care of them in the Teva. That was the fulfillment of his mandate. Yavayu Eilecha was a chesed from the Rabbana Shalom that they came and he didn't have to go to all corners of the earth to find them. He didn't have to use all kinds of industrious methods to trap them. Continues the Ibn Ezra, and those who are foolish will ask, what, what did the predatory birds eat? What did the living wild animals, the arye, the lion, lion destroys other animals. So, if the arye eats the gedi, if the lion eats the goat, then you're going to have a problem because Noah had a, had a job to preserve the goat. This is not a question. It's true that the animals and the predatory birds go for game. 
However, if they don't have it, what do they eat? They eat the herbs. They eat the stuff which is readily available to them. Okay, so he says, that, and that was what Noach gave them. He gave them regular food, herb food, stuff from the fruit and vegetable section of the supermarket, not from the delicatessen, not from the freezer section. Okay, that's, what he, that's, that's the way he answers that question. The Radak, now let's go again, the Radak in an orderly fashion. Shnai Mikhail, Rotsaloimar, Shiuzugim, they should be pairs. And then it explains what that means, male and female. This Radak is saying the interpretation which I mentioned to you before extemporaneously. And what was that? The Pasuk says two of each. What does that mean, two of each? We know that later it's going to be instructed by the kosher animal seven. So Rashi's approach was a minimum of two. But the Radak's approach is pairs. It's not telling you the total number. It's telling you that they have to be pairs. Shnayim Mikol means make sure you have pairs of each. This is for perpetuation of the species. So you have to have pairs. And those pairs are, as the Pesach goes on and says, male and female, so that they'll be able to perpetuate. Tovi el continues the Radak, you shall bring to the Teva, achar sheyavayu me'atzpam lifnei ha-Teva tachnisim ato el ha-Teva. Ah, says the Radak, also addressing the problem which we raised in the Pasuk. Do they come to the Teva or do you bring them to the Teva? In Pasuk, Yotas, it says you bring them to the Teva. In Pasuk Chaf, it says they come to the Teva. Says the, Ibn Ez, says the Radak, they come to the front of the Teva, to the area around the Teva, and then you bring them into the structure itself. They'll come close and you bring them the rest of the way. So, again, it's not fundamentally different than the Ibn Ezra. Maybe the Ibn Ezra even means this to some degree. The Radak expresses it with a certain specific clarity. There's bringing it into the Teva, and there's coming to the area of the Teva. That's the difference between Pasuk Yotes and Pasuk Chaf. But the result is the same. The result is the same. Noach didn't have to go hunting them, didn't have to go finding them. They came... And then Noah had an obligation to make sure that they got in to the Teva and they were saved. Continues the Radak, How did they come by themselves? What happened? He says, Hashem will awaken their spirit that they will come to the Teva. Like they come with some force in their imagination they find a place to graze when they're hungry and they find a place to drink when they're thirsty. Says the Radak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu put into the animals a certain instinct to be able to find their way to get what they need. They need food, they find food. They need water, they find water. Here they needed survival, they would find the Teva. They would need survival, they would find the Teva. What would you call that? What do we call that in our vernacular? What's the phrase we use for that? A survival instinct, right? They have that, they're able to be able to make it by that sense. So was this a miracle? Maybe. You know, you can see sometimes that when a storm is coming, you know, animals... I've seen this on film, you know. Animals will 
know that it's coming, right? And they'll scatter and they'll find ways to find the, the things that they'll need to survive the storm, find a place where they'll be able to survive the storm. They know what's going on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put it in them. Now here, it's not like smelling out the, 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 the plants or having some sense of where water is because of... Here they knew where the Teva was that Nayach was building. So it's appropriate to use the term, as Radak does, of course, Shiyoyer HaKelas Rucham, Hashem will awaken their spirit, as opposed to when it comes to food and water, where he says it's Koach HaDimyon, it's using the power of the imagination. It sounds like it's a power which is intrinsic to the animal, as opposed to this, where it says Hashem has to awaken their spirit. Because this isn't part of nature, this was a special event, a predicted planned event by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but not like plants and water sources which are built into the nature of the world. That, the nature of the animal will be able to respond to. Here, it needed something more. It needed more of an awakening of the divine spirit. So what has Radak done for us so far? Number one is the interpretation of Shnayim. Number two, the resolution of Tavi and Yavayu. But he went one step further than the Ibn Ezra and he explains, why do they come? How do they come? What gives them the ability to come? And he says it's a sort of survival instinct similar to that which you have to find food and water. Here, the more refined survival instinct was given to them by Hashem that they would be able to find the Teva. Beautiful. It's a beautiful idea. We'll see how this develops further. Continues the, the Radak. Same here again, he reiterates, they will come on their own to the area of the Teva, and then you will bring them into the physical structure. And then the Pesach says, They're coming to you to survive, so you have to have food for them, for you and for them. The foods would be fruits, seeds, and he also addresses the question which the Ibn Ezra asked, what about predatory animals, carnivorous animals that usually eat meat? They'll also eat this stuff like the others. Just like at the beginning of time they didn't eat meat, they wouldn't eat meat now either. As it says, that Hashem will make the chayas oretz, the wild animals of the earth, according to its kind. Right? What did the Radak write there? The Radak wrote there, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created all the different species. But if the lions would be eating, I have it quoted over here, it's not so necessary for us to read the whole thing, but you know, you could see it. The Radak in, 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 in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Chafhei, right? It says there that, um, that the tarfim, the predatory animals are also able to eat other things, even though usually they eat animals. And he says that, uh, that um, when they don't find that, they'll eat grass or other things rather than dying of hunger. And he says it's got to be that way because if the lion ate the lamb in the, in the, uh, in the beginning of the Bria, and if the leopard ate the goat, etc., so we would not have any more goats because that original goat was eaten because someone got his goat, right? You know, excuse the expression, right? So, none are missing. 
writes the Radak there, like he alludes to here, it was be the same in the Teva of Noyach. The predatory animals didn't eat animals. And furthermore, and the Radak proves his point, because he says, At the end of the sixth day of creation, it says, Hashem says, I've given you food. And what does he say? I've given the grasses of the fields to all of the animals. It doesn't say to some of the animals, to all of the animals. So it sounds like they can certainly survive on it. One also might think that to begin with, they only survived on it, not just because there were only two lambs, and if, if, if the lion ate the lamb, then there wouldn't be one left for Mary. But the, 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 the issue was, perhaps beyond that, which is that the notion that animals killed other animals may not even have been in place at that point in time. You, you know wolves and lambs and lions and goats from a Pasuk in Yeshayo, right, which says, V'gor ze'erv im keves, and the wolf shall lie with the lamb, and ariim gedir bats, and the, the lion with the goat will will just relax in the grass. So that Pasuk indicates that there will come a time when that will happen. Now, you should know that there's a machlokas, Rishonim, as to what that means. What do you mean? Does it mean literally that wolves will lie with lambs? Or does it mean that the nations that are compared to the wolves will live in peace with the nations that are compared to the lambs? The Rambam says that it's not necessarily the case that anything will change, that it's metaphoric. It's in fact even a machlokas in Chazal. Ramban brings it to some degree in Parshas Bechukosai. So it could be just a metaphor to a peaceful world, but not that wolves won't eat lambs. On the other hand, there is an interpretation that it is literal, that there won't be destruction within the world, that one animal won't consume another, won't tear up another. Right? Plants are eaten, you know, they, they eat, they're eaten and they regenerate. They're meant to be that way. They're seeded to produce other plants and other plants and other plants to regenerate. Animals, it's more drastic. Animals also reproduce, but it's much more drastic. They're not like made to be picked, it might seem, in the same way. So therefore, there's a school of thought that, there will not be this notion of one animal ripping up another. And maybe in the beginning it wasn't that way either. It didn't have that nature until some later point where the world became a little bit more destructive. That's another school of thought, which Emir Hashem we will see more about. We discussed a little bit back in Beratius, and we'll see more about. But Over Howard? Yeah. Don't we find in the days of Mashiach that the lamb will be with the... all the animals will be in peace with one another. Instead of happening to the days of Mashiach, maybe it always also happened in the days. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. That's what that's that's exactly right. That's what we're we're saying. If it happened in the days of Mashiach, it could have been the situation then too. If it will happen in the days of Mashiach, assuming that you take the pasuk literally that the wolf will lie with the lamb, as opposed to again the approach that some have, like the Rambam, accepts, which is. 
that it doesn't mean wolves will lie with lambs, right? Shmuel says, Ein bein the only difference between nowadays and the days of Mashiach is whether the nations will subordinate us. And wolves and lambs are metaphoric. The, the wolfy type nations and the lamb type nations. Kal Yisrael is called a single lamb living among 70 wolves. Right? That's a metaphor for the nations of the world called wolves and Kal Yisrael is called the lamb. So if it's metaphoric, then we wouldn't say that they didn't, weren't predators then. We would just say Hashem put a hold on it temporarily so that lambs would have a chance to procreate. And then again, he put a hold on it during the Mabul so that the lamb would survive. And look, when they didn't have that, they had grasses to eat. The Radaks pointing out the Pasuk in Bereshis that says, I've given all the animals grasses, sounds like Lechatchila, that was all that they had. Now, one other little note before we go uh, move more towards the deep dive, and that is when it comes to the food, just an interesting other discussion. So the discussion which the Rishayim have had thus far about the food was, okay, what do animals that eat animals, what are we going to do with that? Because that would provide a survival problem for the poor lamela, right, for the poor lamb. In the Medrash, it has another discussion, fascinating discussion. The Pasuk says, From all food that is eaten, and it should be for you and for them to eat. Now, what does it mean for you and for them to eat? Think about it. What does that mean? You'll all be able to eat it? So, right? Noah, great. You and them, you could have the straw. You and them, you could have, right? All these, you know, these different things. But one second, isn't there such a thing as human food and animal food? So listen to the Medrash. Ravaba Barkana Omar Devela. He brought in with him Devela. Devela is you know, figs. Tani Mishumam Nechemya Rov Michnoso Devela. Most of what he brought in was Devela. Ravaba Barkana Omar, no. Hichnisimai Zemaires Lapilim. He brought in twigs for elephants. Chatsuvais Litzvoim. Chatsuva is a type of a grass for the deer. Zechuchis lenamiyais. Glass for namiyais. Namiyais is like some kind of ostrich or something like that, which the Gemara says eats glass, likes glass. Rav Levi Omar hechnesimai zemeres lenatiyais yichurim leteinim grufius lezeisim. He brought in him, you know, zemeres, vines for plants, as if he had to replant the world not just to have what to eat, but also to replant the world. According to Rav Abba Bar Kahana, when it says that Hichnis Imoy Devela, right, the first opinion, it's something which is for you and for them. Okay, so there's some problem over here with the girsa in the, in the Medrash. Because it comes back to um, to uh, to Ravaba Barkahana, but the idea is like this: when it says it should be for you and for them, what does that mean? It could mean bring in something that everybody can eat. If the if figs, people could eat figs, animals could eat figs, so Noach would have it easy. He said, bring in a food 
that everybody would be able to eat. That you and them would be able to eat. And then Noach didn't have to worry about getting everybody exactly their thing. The alternate, but that, the, the alternative, and that fits perfectly, it should be for you and for them to eat. One menu for you and for them to eat. Alternatively, for you and for them to eat means you bring in every kind of food, as it says, from every kind of food. And the, the, um, every kind of food means every animal's specific favorites, what they would like to be sustained by. And when it says it should be for you and for them to eat, what it means is, look, you're the main, per- you're the purpose of the Bria, you're the person it should, you should bring for yourself, and also for them, they're secondary, they should have as well. So it's two different readings and two different sets of facts. As well as, again, the other wild card issue, which we'll have to visit further, Be'ezras Hashem Yisbarach at some time, which is that they have to bring samples of all things so that they'd be able to replant the world. Or did those things, you know, if you had olive trees and they were destroyed in the marble, they disintegrated into the soil, and then they would be able to regenerate like plants do. Which one was it? Was it Noach's responsibility or not? I mean, he planted a vineyard, so was that all that he brought? Or did he bring something else? That's something which Miguel Sashem will see more about. But certainly, there's a lot of ambiguity here about every kind of food, and it'll be for you and for them. So one way is every variety so that every animal is taken care of in its classic way. An alternative is, no, everybody ate the same thing, then when it says every kind of food, why that? Well, maybe that is to say, to have samples to save for the future, not to feed in the interim. In the interim, most of their food would be just the standard one-size-fits-all food, but they saved something so that everybody would have. Again, options. But we're going to now pause our discussion of that. I just wanted to visit it here in these psukim uh, so that you had this, we had the, excuse the pun, the seeds for further discussion. But now let's go to the deeper dive, which we're going to spend the balance of our time on. And that is this fascinating balance between do they come, or contradiction between do they come, or do you bring them. And let's learn the Ramban, who will take this discussion a step further. Remember what we've seen already. We saw two opinions in the Gemara when it came to figuring out which animals were virtuous. One said that they came by themselves, the right one came by themselves. Rabbi Avo said the right ones came by themselves. The other one said, no, you, he brought them. He didn't know whether they were virtuous or not. And the Teva would, would, would tell them apart. That doesn't resolve the contradiction. Those are two different interpretations to resolve a different problem. The Ibn Ezra, followed by the Radak, had a different resolution. And that was that they would come to the area, Noach didn't have to go find them, and Noach didn't have to hunt them. But then Noach had to bring them into the Teva. Noach had to take care of them. Right? That was the Ibn Ezra, sharpened, more clarified, I should say, by the language of the Radak. The Ramban writes as follows, he instructed him that he should be involved and help them enter the Teva. And he has to make the effort that they should survive. Like he has to take care of himself. 
So the Ramban is saying that Noah had a mitzvah to bring them into the box, into the into the specific structure called the teva, and he also had an instruction lachayos. He had to take care of them, like he had to take care of himself. And then it says, the two of each will come to you to live. He informs them. They will come on their own, two of each. Just like the Ibn Ezra says, he doesn't have to go hunt them down in the mountains and the isles. But then he brings them into the tape. Okay, so that's consistent with the Radak and the Ibn Ezra. Uvemaasepirish. Continues the Ramban. In the actual story, it says, Shebo'u zachar unekeva. That they came. Right? The Pasuk says, Perek Zayin Pasuk Tes, it says that they came to the Teva. Shnayim, shnayim, two of each. Bo'el Nayach ala Teva zachar unekeva kasher tzivalikimus Nayach. Two of each came to the Teva. There you go. They came on their own. And that's about all of them. All animals, too. But following that, But later, the Pasuk says, Hashem gave Noach a mitzvah. He had a mitzvah. He said, From the kosher animals, you shall take for yourself seven, seven man and woman, man and his wife. Says the Ramban, he was given that mitzvah. So the Ramban is understanding like Rashi. That when it says over here, two, two is the minimum. Right? It doesn't say, there will be at least two of every kind. It doesn't say here at all pairs. It says that, you know, Zachar and Akeva, but two means two is the minimum. But then he told them to bring Zachar and Akeva, seven, seven of Torah. Here the Ramban adds a beautiful note. Here it doesn't say that they will come to him, rather that he will bring them. The ones that are coming to survive, to make sure that they will maintain their species, they came on their own. But the ones that are being brought as a carbon light, he wasn't going to that he should come on their own to be slaughtered. Noach brought them. The 7 7 was that Noach should bring a carbon. So listen to what the Ramban is saying. He's taking it one magnificent step further. And that is that you had two reasons why animals came to the Teva. One reason why animals were included in the Teva was that they should survive. And the other one was that they should be killed. Right? There were two of each that had to survive to promulgate the species. The kosher ones from which extra were brought, they weren't brought to survive. They were brought to be killed to be slaughtered as korbanos. Says the Ramban, the survival mechanism works to have two of each come to the teva. They were driven to be able to live, 
to be able to maintain themselves and their offspring and the species. So they came to the Teva. The Korbanis, they wouldn't survive. They weren't driven to come on their own. You get it? And you'll look at the language of the Psukim. Two of each came. But when it came to the others, there was only the mitzvah of Tikach that you bring them. Now I want to add something to the Ramban before we look at the broader issue of the survival instinct. And that is that the way the Ramban is doing it is being, I think, very practical. And that is, when they have a survival instinct, it's for them, they come. When they're going to be slaughtered, they don't bring themselves to be slaughtered. It doesn't make sense. The survival instinct doesn't work there. But there's another side to it. And that is that Nayach has a mitzvah to bring a carbon. What's a carbon? A carbon is to bring close, to give it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Noach's job is to put it on the Mizbech, to deliver it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So every aspect of coming, of bringing it, is part of that Hakrava. We don't want to make it easy for him. Let's bring a simple comparison from the halachas of our own avoda. And what is that? Let's say you have an ability to have a shul right next door or a shul that's farther away. So there's no mitzvah that if you like the shul next door, you should go to the shul which is far away. But there's a value called walking the extra mile. And what's that called? Scharpsios, a reward for the steps. The steps you're taking. You know, in tefillah, what a person is doing is they're bringing themselves into the presence of Hashem. That's why before we start the Shemun we take three steps forward. We're coming into the presence of Hashem. Why is it called Amida? Omeid lifnei Hashem. Avram Avinu, the original prayer, stood before Hashem. There's a value to coming towards Hashem. Rav Hutner has a beautiful mamar, based on a maral, of course, where he says that we don't find the notion of scharpsios for the mitzvah of lulav. I can go to the lulav cellar next door, I can go three blocks away, go to the one three blocks away, you get reward for the steps. doesn't say that. It says it by tefillah. Because by tefillah you're coming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. By lulav you're going to buy an item to do a mitzvah with. By tefillah you're stepping into the presence of Hashem. So that every step that you take towards it, is stepping towards the presence of Hashem. Noah was here to bring these animals and give them to Hashem. So they should come to him? Then Noah isn't being makriv. It's a mitzvah for him to bring them. By the, by the salvation of the animals, that's practical. They need to be saved. Noah has to take care of them. If Hashem will chip in in the work, fantastic. If nature will chip in in the work, fantastic. It doesn't take away from the fact that the practical result is accomplished. By Noah, his job was to be practical, to get the world to be saved. Karban, it's you from the beginning to the end. You have to be makrivit. So there he had the mitzvah to bring it, for that they didn't come. So the Ramban again is being much more basic and beautiful. And he's saying, a survival instinct doesn't work for Karbanas. That's called the kamikaze mission. Right to come to the to you know to come to the to the teva to be a carbon, right? 
Why should they want to do that? However, the survival, they came on their own. Now, I want to just speak to you just a little bit about this notion called the survival mechanism and just spend a little time looking at that more specifically. Did it work here simply naturally? Again, as, as uh, Radak used the language, Heir Hashem es Rucham, Hashem had to awaken their spirit. This isn't typical survival. This is uh, not based on simple natural forces. But there is a natural survival mechanism. And here I want to just share it with you so you should understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made what we would call in 21st century parlance a smart Bria. What's a smart Bria? Right? People have now smart houses right, and smart appliances. Right? What's, your, what's a smart appliance? Right? It figures out when you're out of milk. Right? Or, or whatever else it is and it tells you get more milk. Order, maybe even orders for you from Amazon, more milk. You know, automatically by itself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a smart Bria. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in evolution? So when we hear evolution, we get the woolies, and appropriately, because what's evolution in our mind? Evolution is that image, you know, that chart in the classroom, right, of the monkey, you know, you know, sort of just getting smarter and standing up, slowly but surely, right? Excuse me that I can't do the whole image thing here on Zoom, but you know what I'm talking about. And it would say, like Darwin said, that, you know, the, the, this, we evolved, human beings evolved from primates. We developed, our brains developed, our, our, our strength developed, survival of the fittest, and so on and so forth. So we were able to make it. And we are violently oppo- opposed to that belief. Why? Because in our Pasuk it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu took the body of man and blew into it a divine neshama. And that's not an evolution. That's a revolution. That was an instant where man was given something that no other creature has. And that is a divine neshama. If you recall, and we did it, we said it, was radical then, and it is radical. The Ramban radically says there in Perak Beis of Bracious that man was actually alive before he had a neshama. When it says that Hashem formed man as dust from the earth, it doesn't mean that he was just a clay statue until he blew into him the divine neshama, and then he came to life. Then his eyelids fluttered, and he and he, and he came to life. No, says the Ramban. Animals were formed from the earth, and they live and breathe. But what happened was they were living and breathing, but they were animals. Then Hashem blew into them in a Shama, and then they became something higher. And that's the way the Ramban explains the most famous two words of the Targum, which is L'ruach Memalala, when it says that man became a Nefesh Chaya, the Targum doesn't translate it literally a living soul. He translates it a speaking spirit, 
Why, says the Ramban? Because he was a living soul before. He was a monkey. He was an orangutan or whatever it was, whatever he was. He was some kind of a primate. But then Hashem blew into him in Hashem, and then he became a speaking soul. Then he became higher. So that's revolution, not evolution. So we totally disagree with that you know, image of man slowly becoming a balcoma. It was instant that man stood up. That's our argument with evolution. But we don't argue with other pieces of evolution. With the possibility that things could develop and change in order to be able to maintain themselves. And I'm going to give you an example from a Gemara, and then I'll give you an example from you and I. And then I'm going to give you an example from the aquarium. Okay? Tanu Rabbanan. A person should be humble and easygoing like Hillel and not easily upset like Shammai. There were two people who made a bet. They said, anyone who could get Hillel upset will get 400 Zuz. Okay, that was the contest. That was the bet. One of them said, I get the first crack. It was Erev Shabbos. Hillel was taking a shower. He was shampooing his hair. This guy comes by the house of Hillel and he says, Is Hillel here? Is Hillel here? Mikan Hillel, Mikan Hillel. Hillel is in the shower, lathered up. He hears somebody asking for him. He wraps himself in a towel and a bathrobe. He gets out of the shower. He says, My son, what do you need? He says, I have an important shayla. It's Erev Shabbos, important shayla. What's the Shaila? Ask my son. Why do Babylonians have round heads? This is an urgent Erev Shabbos question, if I ever heard one. Amar Lai says, good Shaila. He says, because their midwives in Babylon are, Babylon are not skilled. So they, their heads squeeze out, they get misshapen. Okay. Holach vimtin shoachas. He waited an hour. Then he came around, is Hillel here? Is Hillel here? Hillel was just back in the shower, back thro- frothy, you know, shampoo in the, in the hair. And again, he has to wrap himself up, come out. He says, my son, what, what, can he, what do you have? He says, I have a question. He says, ask, why are the eyes of the Tarmudian trutois? Why are the eyes of the Tarmudian narrow and slanted? It's a good question. You know what the answer is? They live in sandy areas. And because they live in sandy areas, the sand will blow up. And it will blow into their eyes. And so they had to keep their eyes almost closed. And so that's the way their eyes developed. He goes back, goes back into the shower. Again, is Hillel here? Is Hillel here? What's the question? Why are the feet of the Afrikim, of the Africans, so wise, wide? Again, he says, good question. And the answer is because they live in marshy areas, and so they have to spread their feet, you know, like ducks have, uh, have uh, their, their um, what do you call them, so that they don't sink into the thing, and like people would have these uh, flippers, whatever you call them. So this yes. helps. What's that? Webbed feet. Webbed feet. So this helps them. And the Gemara goes on and tells the rest of the story. 
and uh, the the fellow says to him, "I have a lot of questions, but I'm worried that you might get angry." Actually, he wanted him to get angry because he would win the bet. He says, "Ask as much as you want here. Let's sit down. Whatever questions you have to ask." And then the fellow got upset at Hillel. He said, "Are you Hillel the Nazi?" He says, "Yes." He says, "You cost me four hundred bucks." And he tells him the story, and Hillel said, let it cost anybody money in the world, I'm not getting upset. I'm not losing my patience. So that's the story of Hillel. But Hillel is explaining something, and what is he explaining? He was explaining how creatures, people, adapt to an environment in order to be able to make it. And they end up looking different. Let me give you the example from the aquarium. You go to the aquarium... And you pass by one of those, you know, windows, and you just walk by. You think it's empty, you know. The, it's the day off for the for the crustacean that was in this thing. And your 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 friend, your child, your whoever says, "Hey, whoa, 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 you missed it! You missed it! Come, look closely." And you look closely, and there, in the sand and pebbles, in the beige and gray, after your eyes adjust, you see a shellfish that's beige and gray, and that seems to just melt into the environment. And you say, wow, that's really cool. And you look on the side, and they have that, the fine print, you know, and they explain that this is the Aristocopolis freakilapolis, you know, famous uh, shellfish crustacean. And it's, um, you know, over billions of years, right, it, uh, it adapted itself because it was in this, it found itself in this environment so that it would be able to survive and it adapted the pigmentation of the area that surrounded it. And you say, feh, right? Ridiculous. And it's true. Part of it is, it's not billions of years. We don't believe, necess- we don't believe in billions of years. Okay, so maybe you'll have pshatim, of uh, what a day of was in the time of the Bible, maybe it is more time. It's, it's hardly the issue. But the core point that an animal finding itself in an environment would be able to actually change itself to be able to survive, evolve to be able to survive, why shouldn't we believe that? If you believe that HaKadosh Baruch who created it beige and gray, and that's the only way it could be beige and gray, then what you're saying is that Hashem created a dumb refrigerator. You know, it's so dumb, the refrigerator. It's like a refrigerator that most of us here, I think maybe all of us here, don't even remember. And that is one that had a cooling fan that ran all the time. All the time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. One that didn't realize at a certain point in time that, hey, you know, it's cool, I don't need to run anymore. When you create something that's smart, it's able to adjust to reality. The person at General Electric who figured out that you can have a fridge that stops running when it's cool enough and then it, the thermostat will trip it to get it to open again, to start again when it needs to be have the temperature lowered, right? That's creating a smarter thing, and we create them smarter and smarter. You think the Rabbanishlam didn't create creatures with an ability to adapt and to be able to survive? Of course he did. 
They had the ability to be able, we have the ability to be able to maintain ourselves. If Hashem created dumb creatures, so then we wouldn't adapt. You know, I'll tell you a, a human story, right? Many of you know, I grew up in Montreal. So this is what happens to me all the time. Fall comes, right? One morning I get up to go to shul and it's chilly outside. I put on my coat. How cold is it outside? I don't know. Maybe it's 50. Maybe it's 45. And uh, I come to shul and I'm walking to shul with my coat on and some hero is walking into shul without their coat on. And they say, hey, I thought you grew up in Montreal. And I did. And you know what else? If on February, one morning, I get up and it's 45 degrees, 50 degrees outside, what do I do? I'll likely go out without a coat. And I'll be fine. I won't feel cold. And the reason is because your body adapts. I grew up in Montreal, but you know, I left Montreal... 38 years ago. My body's thermostat changed to be able to take Maryland humidity instead of Canadian frigidity. It's different. And your body changes. To you, from the fall, when you're coming off of the summer, 45 degrees feels much colder than 45 degrees feels in February when you've come off. Because... You're, you're, you're different. Now, do, you ever, do you ever go to Florida, like in the middle of January? You know what happens when you go to Florida in the middle of January? It's nice, it's warm. I don't know, again, I'm not telling you scientifically, but the reason why, why it's like a machayat, I, I find it is because like, you, you tense up your body when you're in the winter. You have to, because of all the cold. In the summer, you can relax a little, and then suddenly you get to go there, and you get, ah. You know, I'm not fighting the cold. I can instead sort of just like, we adopt positions. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made our systems smart so we're able to survive. Survival mechanism is part of what Hashem put in the Teva of people. He said, I'm not creating something that all it's going to be is what I made it. I'm going to create something that has the capacity to make to remake, to create, to adapt, adapt itself. That's the magnificence of Hashem's creation. People think that they make Hashem weak if they say that the creature evolved. It's wrong. We're making Hashem stronger. We're showing that Hashem created something which was so much more intricate and so much more capable that it could adjust itself and manage itself to be able to survive. Here in our Pasuk, they will come to you. You don't have to bring them. The creatures have a koach within themselves. They know how to survive. They'll do it. Yes, you'll have to build for them a teva. I want this to be your world to a certain degree. But to another degree, you have to understand that everything Hashem created has its own abilities. Trees build survival mechanisms. Everything does evolution of a man from an ape is utter falsehood. Utter falsehood in our belief system. 
in the Torah which was given to us from Hashem, it's utter falsehood. Other things evolving and changing to adapt to new realities is not false at all. There is the essential gift of life which Hashem gave to a human being is not just that they live, but that they're driven to live and that they have the capacity to make themselves adapt to be able to live as much as they can. That's on display here when two of them will come to you to the Teva to live. It's not just a loosey-goosey miracle. It taps into the basic survival instinct that Hashem created in creatures, which is part of the smart creation that Hashem made. That's what I wanted to share with you today. Uh, thank you. Beautiful, thank you.